Hallelujah. One of the things House of Glory is for, you know, is to give an eloquent expression to the Spirit of God. Meaning that we would allow the Spirit of God to eloquently express Himself in our midst. Hallelujah. You know, with eloquence, there is no impediment. So we will not put any restriction to the expression of the Holy Spirit in our meetings. The Holy Spirit will express Himself as He wants. After all, Ephesians 1 is the fullness of Him that feels everything in every way. Amen. And that's one of the reasons we have the expression sessions, which we'll have shortly after now, for people to express, you know, from themselves the unique dimensions of God that they carry. But this afternoon, we are going to be speaking on read. Hallelujah. This is quite our theme. We, we used this was the theme we spoke on last week. The theme we're going to be speaking on this week, you know, and uh, by God's grace, next week we'll be speaking on read. R I G G E D. I'm sure the e-fly will be on the screen very soon for you guys who may not, you know, know what we're speaking on. That's what we're speaking on. Read. Um, yes. Hallelujah. So last week we read Romans chapter eight from verse one to verse eleven. Today we are going to be reading Romans chapter 8 from verse 12 to 13. Two verses. Hallelujah. Let me read. Romans 8. So let me just give you some time to go to your Bibles. Romans chapter 8 from verse 12 to verse 13. Hallelujah. If you are there, say amen. So just to wait for people who are still some way off. Romans chapter 8. We'll read Romans 8 from verse 12 to verse 13 just two verses hallelujah i believe every single person is there now romance is after acts romance is before first corinthians so any of them you see just know you're around the corner so verse 12 says therefore brothers and sisters we have an obligation but it is not to the flesh to live according to it hallelujah it says therefore brothers and sisters we have an obligation but it is not to the flesh to live according to it that's in the NIV. The KJV says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Hallelujah. Verse 13. Of Romans 8. It says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. That's the NIV. The KJV says, For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is um, a progressive thought. I would advise or recommend that if you were not here last week, just kindly take um, a moment to listen to the message after we're done from here so that the thoughts will add up in your mind. To listen to the message of last week, it's something you want to you want to learn. Hallelujah! It says, "For you have no obligation to the flesh any longer." Hallelujah! It means that prior to this dispensation, you had an obligation to the flesh. What's an obligation? A duty, something you must do, so a performance that you must carry out, something that you must live by. Hallelujah! 
if, if you have an obligation, for example, to sweep your house every morning, it's something you must do every morning, hallelujah. It's your obligation. It's something you are required to do. It's something that if you do not do, you have gone wrong, yeah? Praise God. Say, for example, as humans, there are certain obligations we have just by virtue of being humans. For example, one of them is to eat, yeah, to feed. The other one is to drink water, to rehydrate, yeah? Another one is to sleep. Imagine not doing any of these things. What will happen? You will die, Abi. One other one is to breathe. You, it's an obligation that is bestowed upon you by virtue of you being human, yeah? So imagine I told you, any one of you here, to say, all right, from now on till you die, don't drink water again. Is that possible? It means your death is very imminent. Hallelujah. You may try the first day, you go on, no water. Say, ah, actually, I'm, this thing is good. The second day, no water. Third day, you was, your body was telling you that you need to put some water in your system. By the fourth day, maybe by the time you are seeing double, no one would recommend to you that you ought to drink water. Hallelujah. But in order to probably prove your fealty to me, you may drink water, clean your mouth, and say, I've not drank water all through. Hallelujah. But you see, that's how we once lived before. Because we had an obligation that we could not meet. Because the nature in ourselves did not support that obligation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We had an obligation to be devout and to be holy and to be righteous before God. But our nature did not support the living fully of that obligation. Hallelujah. So the Lord came to give us certain rules and certain regulations and obligations. Things that we ought to do. Recommended with propositions to us. But in our members, within ourselves, Paul says, In my members dwell no good thing in my body. Well, no good thing. It says the law was holy, righteous, and good. Yeah? So nothing was uh, wrong with the law, only that his body could not sustain the commandment. So that's why Romans 8 says that what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his son. And we, what he did was to condemn sin in sinful flesh so that we would no longer live after the ways of the flesh but after the ways of the spirit. Just So the law could not sustain. The or our flesh could not sustain the obligations that were given to us by the law. Romans chapter 7. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 7. It says, Restore. It says, So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Hallelujah. So we see that the law in itself was not bad in and of itself, but man did not have what it took to keep the law. Now imagine, imagine I say to you every morning when you wake up, you know, you should bark or do something or roll in the mud. You may probably do it for the first time you remember, because it's not in your nature, you will not do it every day. Is that so? Meaning that you will be offending regularly. Yes? Is that so? That's why people back in the day offended. In short, even the priest, the most pious of them all, had to offer sacrifices first for themselves and then for the sins of others. because. It was, I mean, no matter how pious you were, <laughs> you would break the law. Because in your flesh, there was no ability to fulfill all the conditions and requirements of the law. Hence came the provision of grace. Hallelujah. So, once... So, so grace is not just grace, as some people think of grace. I do not know what you think of it, but grace in almost... I mean, considering the writings of Paul in Romans and other scriptures where he references the word grace, grace is like strength. 
Hallelujah. So your flesh was weak. But what God did by grace was to give strength to your flesh. Remember we ended verse in Romans 8 verse 11 saying that if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, he would also do what? Quicken or give life to our mortal bodies. Hallelujah. And that's why we see the Bible speaking in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 says that Hebrews 4, just quickly. Hebrews chapter 4. It says, therefore, come boldly. Hebrews 4, verse 16. It says, therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace, where we can, what? Obtain mercy and what? Find grace to help you in your time of need. It meaning, meaning that the provision of grace is given to you in your time of need. The, the word need there is translated to the word also infirmity, in your time of weakness. So you come before the throne of grace, where you can find mercy and where you can obtain mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. So what grace did was to give us strength to keep or to perform the obligations that we could not perform before grace came. Hallelujah. And the, the, um, the vehicle by which grace affords us this strength is through the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Spirit. So we're going to be looking at a couple of things this afternoon and I pray that the Lord gives us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 7 verse 4 to 6. Let's quickly just turn to Romans 7 verse 4 to 6. It says Romans 7 verse 4 to 6. Let me just give you the opportunity to get there. Are we there? It says, So my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. It says, For when we're controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit unto death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. Let me explain it to you this way. So, prior to the coming of grace or the coming of Christ because the Bible says in the book of John 1 17 it says and the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ meaning Jesus is the embodiment of grace so prior to the coming of that dispensation of grace we were once bound to obligations by the law and that obligation or those obligations produced sin because where the law is then sin is taken into account so by virtue of your transgression sin came yes do you understand it's just quite logical so there is the law saying you should do a thing so you, you, you misstep, you, you do not follow adequately the provisions of the law. What happens? You sin. So sin is, you know, not complete or total obedience to the obligations that the law has, you know, for us. So, but now, we no longer have an obligation to the flesh or to the law by virtue of the dispensation that has come by the grace of Christ. We now have an obligation to what? To the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Our obligation is now to God. So we see Romans 8.12 says you do not have an obligation towards the flesh to do the things that the flesh requires you to do. So before now it would have been impossible for me to tell you not to sin because it is natural for you to sin. To tell a sinner not to sin is to tell a, what, a dog not to bark or tell a man not to drink water. Because it is what attends to his nature. By his very nature he would sin by, because he is what a sinner. Hallelujah. So what God did was not to continue on the character modification trajectory, but was to bring 
one final solution, which was what? To change the very nature of man. Hallelujah. So what we have is not just another kind of life. We have a changed life. The life of the flesh was done away with. It was crucified with Christ. Romans 7 verse 4. It was crucified with Christ because we died together with him. The life we now have is the life of Christ. Hence the, the righteousness that we possess is not righteousness of man, but the righteousness of God in the person of whom? Christ. Hallelujah. So if God exchanged or changed our nature, he changed our nature from the nature of sin to the nature of righteousness by giving an exchange. He gave the nature of sin to Christ and gave the nature of righteousness to us. And Christ died that the nature of sin may be forever buried for those who no longer walk after the flesh but after the spirit and resurrected so that we may live in the newness of the spirit. Hallelujah. So before now, we bore fruit unto death, meaning that the things that we did were stuff that were deserving of death. Do you understand? The Bible says that the soul that sinned shall what? Die. So by virtue of sin, what did you do? You produced for yourself death. He says, but the gift of God brings what? Eternal life. Now, we are now in the new nature, the nature of Christ, and we are now bearing good fruit to God. Hallelujah. Do we understand? So by virtue of the nature, or the swap in our nature, we have also changed in what we bring forth. So whereas before everything that came from you, Paul says, in my flesh dwells no good thing. It means if you were to pour Paul upside down in terms of the things that will come out from his flesh, what will come out? Bad things alone, yeah? Because there was no good thing that dwelt within his flesh. If I say, in this bottle dwells nothing but soda. If I turn the content of the bottle out, what will come out? Soda. Would I expect anything apart from soda? So it's the content of the bottle that you know, brings forth the things that come out from... So what God decided to do was to change the content of the bottle. And do you understand? And so for us, he decided to change our nature and give us a nature of righteousness. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, this nature would afford us the opportunity to bear fruit to God. He says, because by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of whom? The spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Remember last week I emphasized that in order to live this life we have been called to live, we must live where? In the spirit. And living in the spirit is not, I think I should not go, in the, you know, let's listen to the message of last week so I don't veer off track. Listen, living in the spirit is not, it's not that I will not see you again. It's not that you will be invisible. You will still be visible. But the thing is that your flesh is sustained by the power of God. Hallelujah. Your flesh is sustained by the life of God because in Christ it is dead. Hallelujah. But the Spirit gives it life. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So our passions and our proclivities will no longer be such that are patterned after the flesh. But such partnered after the spirit. I do not know about you. Some of you guys were good growing up. I wasn't. I wasn't a very good person. And some people say that's impossible because of who we know you to be. But that's what God does with a life. He changes. So I'm not ashamed to say I once lived this way. But I was I was um, quite stubborn at some point. I was recalcitrant. I was the bad egg of the family. I was the kind of person that didn't want to you didn't, you were, I was the kind of person that parents would tell their children what, what how did I see you that what were you doing say so, no you only asked me for something <laughs> just so that you know hallelujah but God changes 
I remember the night I gave my life to Christ, I was talking, we were just having a conversation, myself and God. So I gave my life to Christ in my room, there was no pastor, just myself and him, and we were just talking. And, and I said to him, I said, Lord, but how do we deal with these issues? And he said, don't worry, trust me. And in that moment, there was an exchange. I'm telling you, for me, for me, there was an exchange. And that's why I believe, strictly sense of the things that the Bible records concerning our life in Christ. In that moment, there was an exchange for me. The things that once held me back, the things I thought I could not live beyond, were things I disdained. Because together with that dying in Christ, see the moment you accept the life of Christ, your body dies. You die. You die. And the life of Christ, uh, of Christ is what lives in you. Hallelujah. You now live the life of Christ. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But the life I now live, I live by the faith of him who loved me and gave his life for me. It's an exchange life. It is no longer your life. So the things that I did and the things that I considered natural to do were things I considered, uh, things I, I now consider as unnatural. Things I now consider things I can never even get close to. When last, I want to ask the question, when last did you roll in mud? When last did you roll in mud? You just felt to have a good time. You just tell them, this afternoon I feel like chilling. And then you just, where is that mud? Probably some pothole, but I just start rolling in mud. You probably haven't done that before, yeah? That's because it's not in your nature. But ask a pig, you probably be in the mud while you're asking him. Why? Because it is its nature to do that. Nothing more. Hallelujah. So what God did to solve this problem was to change our nature. So that the things, you see, pigs love mud is because it's their nature. Whereas we don't love that because it's our nature to stay clean. Hallelujah. If by virtue of any happenstance your feet goes into a mud, you are going to be looking, you'll be doing like this to look for the next, you know, available place to clean, so to purify. But a pig would not be doing that. Because a pig will forever wallow in. You see, God made everything to reveal aspects of life to us. Every single thing in creation revealed God and his eternal. The Bible says in Romans 1, it says, For everything that is to be known by of God, namely his divine nature and his invisible qualities, have been revealed in everything that has been created so that man is without excuse. So God put the pig there, yeah, to show to us that. And he also gave the parable, Jesus speaking, gave the parable. He says, uh, you know, pig, you know, um, rolls in the mud as well as dog goes back to his vomit. God puts these things to show us things, to show us their signs for us. And he's saying to us that if your nature is changed, the things that were things, the things you did naturally will no longer be things you would do because your nature in its essence has been changed. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is the point I want us to understand. It's the point I want to emphasize this afternoon. The change of nature. The change of nature. The change of nature. That our nature has been changed from the old way of the law, patterned after the flesh, to the new way of the spirit. And the things that we now produce are things we produce from the spirit, no longer from the flesh. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that if you follow, verse 13 in Romans 8, it says, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. So it's not a curse if you, for, I mean, if I say that if you live continually like this, you will die. It's written, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. It is a, if you live by the Spirit, you will put, it says, if you live by the Spirit, you put to death. Meaning that by, very, by the very singular fact that you live by the Spirit, you have also consequently put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will live. 
look at how it's rendered in your in your translation the niv the nlt or the king james it's it says if you live by the spirit you put to death not you would are you seeing it in your bible because if you live by the spirit you put to death meaning that by virtue of living by the spirit the things or the things pertaining to the flesh have been what put to death and you will live remember romans chapter 8 verse 6 it says that to be minded after the things of the flesh is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace hallelujah it's, you see flesh produces death spirit produces life which one would you choose spirit hallelujah so the mechanism that god afforded us in the dispensation of grace was to give us the spirit hallelujah was to give us the spirit and that's why it says that and if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells where in you that same spirit will also quicken or give life to your mortal bodies are we understanding so it is the spirit that gives life to our bodies by virtue of this dispensation that we live in nevertheless not I but Christ that lives in me Romans 7 from verse 15 25 can we just consider this quickly can someone read Romans 7 verse 15 to 25 quickly from these few verses how that even though he desired to do good the power to do good did not well wear in his flesh so no matter how much he desired to do good he says the good I want to do I do it not is the evil I do not want to do I do why the flesh so no one should ever think that by virtue of his flesh you can please God hallelujah Romans 3 says, Therefore, by the flesh shall no man be justified. Hallelujah. So we cannot in you, you cannot make an attempt to please God by virtue of living according to your flesh. 
you must mortify or put to death your flesh by what living according to the spirit he says but if you live according to the, to the spirit you put to death the deeds or the misdeeds of the flesh and you would leave so our actions are informed by our nature the things you do are informed by the nature you possess a girl behaves like a girl because what she's a girl yeah her actions are informed by the things or by her nature same as a guy would behave like a guy because he is a guy i mean in the same world anyways yeah and same as dogs will behave like dogs because see no matter what breed of dog you possess chihuahua german shepherd things i've never even heard before i mean dogs have breeds but they all behave like dogs yeah hallelujah and pigs will behave like pigs you will never see a dog um, snorting neither would you see a pig barking have you seen that before exactly because it's not within the nature of one to do the other hallelujah amen so every single action that we take is informed by nature. The question is what nature informs our actions? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's not character modification we are teaching, though. No. We are teaching a changed nature. We are teaching a changed nature. And if you have the spirit of Christ in you, your nature has been changed. Hallelujah. I'm here to announce that if you have the spirit of Christ, your nature has been changed. And you no longer have an obligation to the flesh to live according to it, but you now have an obligation to the spirit. Meaning that you no longer are compelled or under impulse by virtue of nature to live according to the things of the flesh. But your new nature is patterned after things of the spirit. In my own life and in my own testimony, the things that I considered good and expedient to do before, are things I consider disdainful at this moment because the nature changed. My obligation is no longer after the flesh but after the spirit. I'm thankful Paul wrote this because we can see his own trajectory, we can see his life and I'm thankful I'm the one speaking because I, at least I know my own life. Every single person here leaves and takes action based on an information that nature sends to, it, to him or her. Our nature is changed. Romans chapter 8. It says, verse 9, it says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So this is preconditioned upon the Spirit of God living in you. And it says, And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he shall also give life or quicken your mortal bodies. Romans 8 9 gave an announcement that you no longer have an obligation to the flesh to live according to the desires of the flesh. Your new obligation is to your spirit. And that's why we should make it a point of duty to understand our, our, our new nature. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that a man who is in honor and knoweth it not is like what? A beast that perisheth. So it's not just enough that your nature has been changed. You must also understand this your new nature. Isn't that so? You must understand this your new nature and you must be deliberate about living according to it. Because sometimes some people's minds are so 
Because you see, the, the nature is a change in your spirit. Yeah? But your flesh dwells within your, or, or your mind dwells within your soul. Your soul didn't change, your spirit changed. Hallelujah. Amen. But the thing is, people's mind remembers so much of the things they did while they were living according to the old nature that sometimes conforming with the new nature may seem a bit difficult for them. Hallelujah. And that's why we ought to know. But you see, the first law of the Spirit is that to whomever you yield yourself as servants to obey, servants you become. Hallelujah. Can we see that in Romans chapter 6, verse 14? Romans chapter 6, rather, verse 16. It says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether slaves to sin which leads to death or obedience which leads to righteousness. To whomever you yield yourself as servants to obey his servants you are. So if you yield yourself or your members to sin, you yield yourself and you, you would, you know, sometimes people think, oh I'm in control, I'm in control. Don't worry, just wait a while. Keep on yielding. Keep on yielding. Whether it's to sin, keep on yielding. You will see the death it will produce or whether it's to righteousness or to obedience to righteousness, you will see the life it will bring forth. Hallelujah. If you constantly obey God, you will live in what? Righteousness. Abi? If you constantly obey sin, what would that produce? Death. It's as simple as that. But it starts with you yielding. Because now you have been liberated, you have been made free from the law of sin and death. Yes? That's what has happened. You have been made free from the law of sin and death. And you have been redeemed. And you are now being made to serve in the newness of the spirit. But you can decide not to. You can decide having after being you know having been made free from the law of sin and death to still yield your members to sin. It's a choice that God will never take away from you. Am I communicating? The moment you got saved, did God take away from you the choice to decide to do what you want to do? It's still a choice you would make. But the first law of the of, of the spirit says, To whomever you yield yourself as servants to obey his servants, you become. So for people who, who got hooked up on, on, on negative stuff, whatever it was, or whatever it is that you may be hooked up to or you were hooked up to before, you will notice that the first time you, you, you did that thing, you were in control. You could decide when to start and when to stop. But after a while, keep on on it and then it, start, it starts dictating to you when to start and when to end. Uh, am I communicating? I, I knew we all grew up in church. I know that we are all pastors and children of pastors. So this message does not make sense to some of you but to me it makes sense to me hallelujah and to anyone listening online i'm sure it makes sense to them because sometimes when we come within an environment like this everybody's pious hallelujah but we bless god for your lives amen hallelujah but that's it yielding 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 my admonition this afternoon is to yield yourselves to god is to yield yourselves to god is to yield yourselves to God. Ephesians 5 said the template. It says, Wives, be submitted to your husbands in everything as the church is submitted to Christ. You must understand that for the church to be what it is, it must be fully submitted to Christ. Meaning it must be fully yielded to Christ. Hallelujah. And yielding is a deliberate action. You must decide to yield. Hallelujah. When Ezekiel saw the picture of the temple and the water that filled the temple, he walked the step. Was that deliberate or not? It won't happen by happenstance. 
building is not a thing that happens automatically. It, it is something you would decide to do. And I yield myself to God. And he walked further. And he was knee deep. And he walked further. And he was waist deep. And he walked further. You see, this thing is something you would do deliberately. God may stand from a distance and call you. Yeah. God gives us the grace to see his call and to yearn for him. They seek me while I may be found. Drawn to me and I'm drawn to you. The parable of the prodigal son or the prodigal father, some may call it. Irrespective of the fact that the son had gone away with all the father's possessions, the goodness of the father and the mind of the son led him back. But his name, the Bible says, the father saw him from afar off. But the father had seen him maybe he didn't come. So people want to emphasize the fact that the father ran to him while he was still far off. But the father first saw him come. Hence, drawn to me, and I'll draw to you. Seek me, and you will find me. God is calling for people who want to seek him, who want to just yield to him, to flow to him. So when you say move, you move. When you say to wait, you wait. When you say to sleep, you sleep. That kind of life controlled by the Spirit is controlled. It's not. I mean, the same way. Um, something, a negative vice can control you. You were just walking on your own to somewhere. All of a sudden, you just said doing something you had no intention to do. The same way also is a person controlled by the Spirit. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, it says the Spirit blows wherever it listed. Sometimes you try, you want to cocoon God, you want to localize Him, you want to define to Him how to operate with you. You cannot. He's a wind. He's a spirit. You must be consistent with the inconsistencies of the Spirit. You must stay with Him. Hallelujah. I heard that last week to be consistent with the inconsistencies of the Spirit. Because many times we just want to localize God and dictate to Him what things will say to us. You want to decide alone when you want to pray. Many times, and I'm sure some of you have had these experiences if you, are, if you decide to yield to God. That sometimes you are just on your own, doing your own thing, and then God says, go and pray. You had no intention of praying. If they were to ask you, what do you want to do now? Praying will be one of the last things that will come to your mind. But all of a sudden, God says, go and pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He produces righteousness. We must decide to yield to God, to be submitted to Him fully. It says, Revan 6, verse 19. He says, I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer them in slavery to righteousness. Can you see that, verse 19, Romans 6? You used to offer your body or your parts or your members as slaves unto sin. So now, in this new life, offer them as slaves to what? To righteousness. Who does the offering? You do. Who does the offering? I'm asking because it seems it's not within our consciousness that you are the one who offers your body to righteousness. And it's not just offering. You are offering as a slave. Paul says, when you, when you read the introduction of many of the, the, the New Testament episodes, he says, Apostle Peter, servant of God. Why do you think he introduced himself as such? 
Apostle Paul, servant of God, why do you think there was such introduction? I am no longer my own. Hallelujah. It's not just offering to be used by righteousness, but offering as slaves to righteousness. But if you don't like what I'm teaching, get a new Bible. You will see it there still. There will be no difference. I mean, except of course you decide that this God, you don't want to have anything to do with him. I mean, except of course you decide, but he's the fullness of him that fills everything in every way. So whether you go left or you go right, on the ship to Tarshish, wherever you are, he'll still find you there. He'll still call after you. Hallelujah. Amen. It says, When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from that righteousness could not control you because you were what? Slaves to sin. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Now that you are now slaves to righteousness, you should be what? Free from the control of sin. And that's why Romans 6.14 says that for sin shall no longer have dominion or power or force over you because you are no longer under the law but under grace. So remember I said grace is strength or power. The reason sin had dominion over you was because you were weak in your flesh. But now grace comes to give your flesh power or life and so sin no longer has dominion over you. Hallelujah. Imagine sin being this very hefty guy. And you being small, the small person, and sin comes and grips you, and you cannot, you know, throw off the shackles of sin from off your head or from off yourself. And just imagine something happens, and all of a sudden you turn into something bigger than Incredible Hulk. And that seemingly big guy now becomes like a small piece of paper, you know, like, you know, hallelujah. Because you are no longer under law, but under grace, and grace gives you strength, power. Hallelujah. So we are no longer slaves anymore to sin, to walk in the patterns of sin. We are now slaves unto righteousness. And so we'll live our lives patterned after righteousness. Hallelujah. And so I I, I emphasize that we must know our nature. And when you know your nature, you are then able to live according to your nature. Ephesians 5 verse 22 to 23 highlights certain things that would flow from us by virtue of living by the Spirit. It says and the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. It's what? Joy. It's what? Peace. These things that Ephesians 5 22 and 23 list are things that will flow from the Spirit. It says the fruit of what? The Spirit. Verse 19 starts with the works of the law, you know, this is, you know, and goes on and works of the flesh, and it goes on to list a couple of things. There are just, just a few examples, anyways, because the Bible can never exhaust, you know, the, 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 the sins, for example, that are within the heart of man to commit. But it then lists in from verse 22 that the fruits of the spirit or the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law hallelujah so this this verse is inform us as to things or as the ways that we should begin to or it informs us of the things that should begin to flow from our lives by virtue of living according to the spirit and i can tell you for free that if you live according to the spirit these things will begin to flow has anyone experienced these things before all of a sudden you just become a love being you are so overjoyed you don't even understand 
sometimes you're just you just on your own praying the holy ghost you are laughing they don't even know why because it's joy it's bubbling from the inside from the spirit hallelujah people are all you know helter skelter they are in great tumult and you are calm you are peaceful because god is keeping you in peace by his spirit hallelujah these things are things that flow from the holy spirit from the spirit of god within you the bible speaking jesus saying you know john uh, matthew chapter 7 verse 16 to 17 he says that by their fruit you would know them so if i want to know a person whose life is controlled by the spirit what do i need to look at the fruits things that emanate from the person's life that's what jesus was saying it says it says a grapevine cannot bring forth thorn bushes yeah you know can a thorn bush bring forth grapes every tree is recognized by the fruit it brings forth hallelujah do you understand it's very simple meaning in order for me to know the spirit that you are controlled by i just need i don't need to search into your spirit i just need to wait to look at what emanates from your life hallelujah am i seeing love am i seeing peace am i seeing kindness am i seeing gentleness am i seeing meekness am i seeing goodness am i seeing faithfulness am i seeing self-control or am i seeing other things lasciviousness idolatry this and all those kind of things what am i seeing hallelujah but the recommendation of jesus and which is what he did was is contained in matthew 12 33 says make a tree good and its fruit will be good make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad so what god decided to do was to make us good trees Hallelujah. But we must be connected to him. He says, I am the vine, Matthew from John 14, and you are the branches. Anyone who abides in me and I in him, the same bring forth much fruit. It's still a choice to abide. Do you know? He says, but anyone who would not abide in me, it's still a choice. But the only way you can bring forth much fruit is to abide in the vine. Hallelujah. The Lord helps us and gives us understanding in Jesus' name. And that's why the recommendation in Ephesians 5, it comes, it says, it says, you were once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. Therefore, live as children of light. Meaning it's possible to still be light in the Lord and live contrary to your nature. If someone says you were once a pauper, now you are a king, therefore live like a king. What does that presuppose? Meaning that you can still decide to live in the nature or in a way contrary to your nature. So you were once darkness, now you are light in the Lord, therefore live as children of light. Do not offer your bodies to sin any anymore. Lay aside every weight that hinders and the sin that so easily besets. James, in James 1.21, it says, Lay aside all filthiness and the superfluity of naughtiness. Lay, lay them aside. It means you have an obligation to lay aside every weight, <coughs> to lay aside every, you know, sin. To let you have it. The obligation rests on whom? But the thing is, as, as before before grace came, you did not have power to do this. But now grace has come, you can decide to pick off that thing that seemed like a giant from your back and fling it because you now have power. You now have strength. And that's why such instructions were not given in the time of war because they didn't have power to do this. 
we could only do remedy for them by sacrificing bulls and goats every year to cover but now an obligation comes upon you and it says lay aside every weight that hinders and the sin that so easily besets it says lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of nothingness lay aside colossians 3 5 it says put to death all things that are earthly all things that pertain to the nature of the flesh put them to death you can't do it hence the instruction to do it put to death hallelujah put to death hallelujah the lord gives us grace to put to death every single thing that pertains to the nature of the flesh in the name of jesus that we will no longer live lives controlled by the flesh but we will live lives controlled by the spirit in the name of jesus remember to whomever you yield yourself as servants to obey be deliberate about yielding to the spirit be deliberate about yielding to the spirit be deliberate about keeping in step with the spirit galatians 5 recommends this keep in step with the spirit go where the holy spirit is going make sure to go there it's like the wind you must be deliberate hallelujah you must be deliberate you must be deliberate and obedience in the kingdom is not doing the good things it's doing the right things so you may do a good thing and before god you have done nothing in fact your actions have displeased him remember so sacrifice it was a good thing was it the right thing no god was displeased but sometimes you may be about doing good things before god they are nothing because you didn't keep it step. the only way to please god is that you are led by him for us to recognize your sonship in this kingdom you must be led he says, for they who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Sons of God. So if you claim you are a son, but you are not led, we, more, we may want to question the basis of your sonship. It's as, it's as simple and as obvious as that. Because we see a time that they who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. This one is claiming he's a son. But he's not led. But I see Romans 3. It says, let God be true and every man be a liar. Hallelujah. So like I said again, you may not like this Bible, you can change it, but you see the same things there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We must be led, we must keep in step, we must be deliberate about these things. Hallelujah. We must offer ourselves to God. We must offer ourselves to God. It's an obligation that rests upon us to offer ourselves to God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, offer yourselves or your bodies unto God as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to Him, which is your only reasonable act of worship. Hallelujah. You must offer. Meaning God cannot come and take it until you offer. Revelations 3.20 It says, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. God gave everything to get you, yet He will not take you by force. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He would need you to let him. To let him. Hallelujah. I stand at the door of your heart and knock. I cannot know you by myself. Unless you take over, take over, Spirit, take over. 
know you by myself unless you take over. I cannot know you by myself unless you take over. Take over, Spirit, take over. Unless you take over, I cannot do you by myself. Unless you take over, take over, Spirit, take over, take over. Unless you take over We must offer We must be willing to yield So it's therefore I beseech you brethren by the mercies of God That you offer yourselves or your bodies as living sacrifices unto God Holy and acceptable This is your only reasonable act of worship You see you are not your own you may think you are your own boss. You may think you live by yourself. But you are not your own. Hallelujah. You were headed for perdition, for doom. There was no remedy. But God decided to help you. He helped your life even when you didn't even know. He purchased you by his blood. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 16. He says you are not your own. You were bought with a price. His blood was a price. It says therefore honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. Honor Him with your body. It's your only reasonable act of worship. I want to ask you a question. Imagine you purchase a gadget with your hard-earned money. Maybe you use all the salary for this month plus savings from last year. One year to save plus salary of this month to buy a phone. And when you turn on the phone, the phone tells you, Hello, thank you for purchasing me. I can only come up at 2 a.m. Just be the two thirty, and that two thirty self only call I can do. What would you say? No, you just. What would you say? What is this? And the company say, and you probably call the company. Say that's a company policy. You say, what, you say this is unreasonable. How would I buy a phone that can only serve for thirty minutes in a whole day, and even that thirty minutes service only call? I'll be struggling with. When you, when you purchase something, you expect to use the thing as you... Same as when God purchased you. He didn't expect you to give him conditions. Say, God, my own prayer, 30 minutes. And it's another 30 minutes. I can't do it. He expects you to give yourself to him fully. And he will make you the kind of vessel that he wants. Second Corinthians 5.15, it says, For this reason Christ died... So that they which live should 
no longer live unto themselves but unto him who died you are not your own Christ purchased you that you should live unto him but it's still a choice anyone can make anyway you can say well I listen to buy me I'll live my life as I want and there is still a day where all all the world will bow before him and then in that day many people wish that he stayed with him some people wish that he came to him it's not this is not I mean I don't know what anyone would call it but this is just fact it's reality we will all stand before God who doesn't believe that we would all stand before God and everyone will give account of the things they have done in the flesh Bible speaks. It says everyone will give account of the things they have done in the flesh. I'm excited. I'm waiting for that day because I know that for me, it's going to be a glorious day. I don't know about you. I'm not scared if I die today or if God comes because I know he's going to say good and faithful servant welcome into so that's why Paul was not scared of death. Hallelujah. Paul wasn't scared of death. He says for me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. It is, I'm, I'm seeing the thing. It says, therefore, it said before me an eternal crown of glory that God has promised to give unto. Paul was seeing, he said, ah, this death is sweet, though. Ah, let me just go and enjoy the things that have been set for me. I do not think we'll all get the same thing when we get to heaven. I'm sure many of you think we'll all see the same. No. So many scriptures doesn't, you know, proves that thinking wrong. Revelation 22, it says, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. I'll give to every man according to the things they have done. Yeah? Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me and I'll give to every man. Eternal life is a gift. What you get there is a reward. Two different things. Hallelujah. One is based on believing. The other one is based on good works. But good works are works that are born from the spirit. Dead works are works born from the flesh. So no one will receive anything from dead works. Hallelujah. Luke 12, parable of the rich fool. It says, so is anyone who is rich on earth and not rich towards God. Meaning you can be rich towards God. Matthew says, therefore do not store treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust will destroy, where thieves will break in and steal. But store treasures for yourself where? In heaven. Meaning you can store for yourself treasures where? In heaven. 1 Timothy 6 speaks about storing up treasures for ourselves in heaven. In heaven. And they are still so, the parable of the talents. We see that in Luke as well. It says, therefore, come into my eternal habitation, into my eternal rest. In, that's, that's an example of heaven, right? And take what? Ten cities, because your ten talents brought ten more. Therefore, take charge of ten cities. After the millennial, we will all come to reign. And at the extent of our reigning will be based on the things we did here. This is a triumph phase, guys. I know I'm saying this, but this was not even part of what I planned to say. But guys, we will all receive according to the things we have done. Amen. So be deliberate about doing work. But I feel now, I feel I'm getting wisdom for that. Because someone is saying in his heart or in our, in our heart at this moment. He's saying, but after all this living piously and living good, and other people are flexing and saying I can't kill myself. What then is the benefit for me after now? Your benefit far outweighs any benefit anyone can gain on earth. In this one, moth, rust cannot destroy. Thieves can steal. Nothing can It is incorruptible. The wealth we have gotten in eternity is incorruptible. Hallelujah. So if anyone who wants to make um, 
fun fair out of their lives here. Store up. It's something you say, therefore, store up. It's something you would do. It's an obligation on you to store up treasures. You can store up treasures. Hallelujah. I pray the Lord will give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. We have an obligation not to the flesh, but to the spirit to live according to the spirit. And that's why we must offer ourselves then to God. We must offer ourselves to God. The Bible says that offer yourselves to God. Resist the devil. You must offer. You must offer. The Bible says offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And this kind of sacrifice, is, 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 we must pay attention to it. You would not die, but yet you'll be on fire for God. Hallelujah. Meaning that the fire would dictate to you your very move. Set a man on fire. He's not thinking of how to please anyone. His only concern is the fire on him. The fire would dictate to him whether to go left or to go right. Every action you see a man on fire take, think about it if you've seen any video someone who was at a place. The actions were inspired by the fire that was upon him. Jeremiah says, like fire, it is shut up in my bones. Even though I don't want to speak, I speak because the fire is what controls me. We are to offer ourselves then to God as living sacrifices, dead but yet alive. Paul says, for this reason and in Christ, I died daily. Hallelujah. He says, the world is crucified unto me and I to the world, meaning that before the world I'm a dead man. Don't mean the world is dead. The world, there is no commonliness in you that the world won't bring anything to you. So this one, let's leave this one, this one, dead. This one, this one. You got a dead guy, I'll be. That's the kind of guy I want to be. Paul says the world is crucified unto me and I am crucified unto the world. There is nothing in the world that can be of any attraction. Can you go and dance with gold neighbors before a dead man? A dead man will wake up and say, I like this one. He's dead. He is dead. Hallelujah. Nothing is of any pleasing or attraction to a man who is dead, and that's how we must be. Lives that are dead. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. It is Christ that lives in me. It's Christ that controls me. It's Christ who is my life. Colossians 3 says, When Christ who is my life appears, when Christ who is my life, He's my life. He's my life. I've called Him to come and live in me. I've offered myself to Him. I'm not taking you, I'm not taking myself back. Take over. Leave. Express yourself, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.